The Weigelcast is part of the Hashtag Pressing Program, presented by GE. Welcome to another episode of Slate's interview podcast, The Weigelcast. I'm Slate's political reporter, Dave Weigel, and my guest this week is Marjorie Dannenfelser, president of the Susan B. Anthony List. 21 years ago, after working for a Democratic congressman, Dannenfelser helped launch the list as a way to elect more pro-life candidates. Over the years, and with increasingly large investments from the right, the list has evolved into a major funding source for Republican candidates. And just as importantly, it's evolved into a training center. After gaffes about rape and abortion destroyed several 2012 Republican campaigns, Dannenfels' group took the lead in tutoring candidates on how to talk about abortion and how to make the issue a liability for Democrats, not their party. I want to start by seeing if you could assess how this year's Republican candidates are talking about life and about choice, because you have taken an, and Susan B. Anthony List have taken a role in preventing people from making some of the mistakes and talking about those issues that they made in 2012. Yeah, we've certainly seen some pretty disastrous mistakes in the past. What it, I think really is at the heart of it is just a, a fear of, of addressing it and a hope that it won't come up. We are 100% clear on the fact that it will come up. The abortion issue will come up. It is a hotly contested uh, topic in every single debate, every single election that we've seen in recent history. And right now, the big topic um, and something we've been working very hard on is making real the idea that the very first limitation on the timeline of unborn life can begin, meaning that the 20-week pain-capable Unborn Child Protection Act, basically a a five-and-a-half-month restriction, which has been passing in state after state. We're on the verge of it passing in South Carolina and in West Virginia, passed the House of Representatives. It's hot in the Senate right now, though probably not enough votes to pass. We are planning and um, working with others to uh, to try to make sure that this is discussed in the presidential race coming up, because we have to have a president who's going to sign it. It's a highly reasonable, modest proposal uh, that's accepted by all demographics except for just the purely uh, liberal democratic uh, de- demographic. So it's a it's just a question of getting it to the place where where we talk about it, and when we talk about it, we win. If we pretend like abortion's not coming, and we come up with something that uh, we pull out of the hat at the last second, uh, then then we lose. Well, if I'm Pretend I'm a candidate for Congress this year. Pretend I'm, you know, Bobby Schilling or uh, maybe somebody who hasn't run before. What exactly do you do when they say they're <laughs> running? <laughs> no, what do you? Well, what yeah. what is what is SBA list process? And if, if we're saying they're running, is it I I talk on the phone? Do I meet meet for a couple hours? Do I go through a seminar? What is the current process to make sure I don't I don't make a terrible mistake later in the campaign? The best thing is is one on one conversation. And one-on-one conversation along the mode of a murder board, really, um, preparing for a trial, <laughs> you know, is the, is the toughest environment to be in. And that's where they deserve, we all deserve to, to, uh, uh, to get the best treatment, the best preparation. So it really is just throwing at you the question that I think is going to be the hardest in your campaign, the thing that has tripped other people up, whether it has to do with exceptions or, um, or funding questions for the poor, or other, you know, whatever they are, I'm going to throw them at you. We're going to 
listen, and in some cases we tape it, and then we go back through it again and we talk about it again. And why why this level of scrutiny is not because it is a measure of how popular their position is. It's a measure of how disastrous the results can be if you haven't actually talked about what is truly in your mind and your heart on this and prepared for it and said it. The other piece of this is a very important, and it's actually the first step, and that is writing it down. I mean, most people don't sit down, think hard about all array of issues and really write it out and say, this is really what I think. It's just a little bit of thought, a little bit of these are the words that I think fit what I really believe. The one change that we hope and plan to see is that we get our candidates get off the defense, get out of the fetal position, ironically, yeah. and go on the offense. Go on the glad offense. you point that out, not me. Yeah. Discuss the other candidates' positions that have not been exposed to the light of day. Ask Kay Hagan, why did you say that you couldn't possibly support a 20-week restriction on abortion? That's wildly out of touch with the North Carolinians. What could you possibly be thinking? You know, do you actually go and make sure that the other guy's um, position is exposed well? And do they see the whatever the opposite of greatest hits are from ways people have answered this que- answered these questions poorly before? I mean, is there like a, is there some sort of Hindenburg uh, reel of, of how this has been d- done incorrectly? I just just to, to just to hone in, finish on that. How how is it they are told this is the path you can go down that traps you and get in, and, and makes it impossible for you to win, even if you believe this stuff deep, deeply, even if you have something better to say? Yes, there there are great models of how to do it, and there are great models of how not to do it, and we definitely um, go through those. And sometimes it's just good to watch Ronald Reagan or Newt Gingrich or others um, or Sarah Palin at points and others and see when there's always a moment when you're watching those and, and it's a moment of, yeah, that, that's it. That, that's it. That's, that is exactly, that makes sense. So you don't, of course, repeat exactly what they're saying, but you, you get a sense of, yeah, there's a really beautiful and forceful way to communicate this. And what our goal is, is to get to the heart of each individual candidate where they're, yeah, that's it, place. We'll get back to my interview with Marjorie Dannenfelser in a moment. The Weigelcast is part of the Hashtag Pressing program presented by GE. Hashtag Pressing is working with some of the country's best news organizations to bring you thoughtful discussions of policy, not heated arguments about politics. I'd like to thank GE for making the program possible. And now back to my talk with Marjorie Dannenfelser. When it comes to personhood, I feel the personhood amendments that were, I think, continue to exist. I've talked to Personhood USA, and they continue to push for this in some legislatures that are more Republican and more amenable uh, to to passing that. That's not as doesn't cut through the political lines quite the way that the twenty week uh, the twenty week ban that we were talking about does. But that in this cycle has been a way for Democrats to brand a Republican candidate as more extreme than he lets on. I think Cory Gardner in Colorado is the first one they tried this on. So what's the answer a Republican should give when talking about his previous support for a personhood uh, bill? You're familiar with the Democratic argument on that, that that you are basically laying down the line for an unconstitutional ban on all abortion. That, well, I think it will will certainly continue to come up. I expect it will because it certainly has uh, worked well for the other side. The thing to do on this or any other issue is to affirm what your position is and then discuss the issue holistically. 
the the idea that the 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 entire abortion related electorate would vote on a on a on an, on an issue that that occurs sadly but rarely doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't. So anyway, in in terms of how I, if it were me, if I were a candidate, I would say I would say what is true that in every abortion there are two vulnerable folks, two vulnerable people. There is a woman who's in a very vulnerable spot who needs help, who needs counsel, who needs real medical help and attention, and a lot more than just a medical procedure that will end, whatever she'll end up alone. And there's definitely the other person is vulnerable, hardly describes the position that that person is in. And so we need to be helping and protecting and loving both. So you're you're fairly confident in, in every state that... that candidates can run on the 20-week pain-capable bill, and every state least that's competitive in House races, uh, where, where there's a competitive Senate race. And how, how did you set, how, how has the movement settled on that as, as something that, as something that I was, as I was saying before, cuts through the, the typical partisan lines? I mean, it polls well. Was that the, was that the insight, that it, poll, it polls so well? You know, we start with what is the most we can do at this point in time? How many children can we save right now? That's why we're not pushing personhood. That's why we're not doing any other thing. We're doing, we are taking the low-hanging fruit of what even Democratic women as a polling matter accept, and that is that there is a line. There is a reasonable line. And for that reason, because it's so reasonable, this movement really to pass this bill came up organically through the states. The first state was Nebraska. It passed in 12 more. It's going to probably pass in two more soon. Um, it is a wave. It's not a eye shade decision. It's a wave of opinion coming up organically from the states. And that's why it ends up in the House and it ends up in the Senate, um, because it is such a wave. You don't usually see a top-down strategy on, on, on abortion from the pro-life side. It almost always comes up organically. And and I think that the other thing is because it's so popular, it's also politically smart. Uh, it's why the RNC, has, you know, passed a resolution recently uh, on this. And and it's why Reince Priebus has, uh, for the first time of uh, among any recent chairman in memory, have said anything about abortion at all. They were even past their, their lips. Because it is highly reasonable, and it's the right thing to do. Because on the federal level, there is almost no restriction. But is the goal to get twenty-week abortion bans in into law everywhere, or is part of the goal to win at the Supreme Court? I think it's all of a piece, frankly. Um, I think that the courts look at this and and um, words that they've said, various judges along the way have have signaled that they would be ready to listen to something like this. But as you know, they are not immune to what is, what passes all over the country. When state after state starts passing it, it has an influence. And I don't expect this to end. I say that because it fits into the court, state legislative, and federal legislative dance, for lack of a better way of putting it. And that is the same path that the partial birth abortion ban had. It, you know, it began um, in states banning it, and then it went through the House and the Senate, got vetoed twice. And then every time it got vetoed or every time there was a national-level debate, it would pass in more states. You know, what was reasonable became seemed to become reasonable everywhere, and we 
made very sure that what seemed reasonable had traction in the House, and now we're making traction in the Senate, and we're uh, communicating how reasonable this is and getting a lot of agreement from potential presidential candidates as well. But I guess isn't that what Democrats, when they run against these candidates who figured out how, a better way to talk about the issue, isn't that what they're going to say to rally their single female voters? I mean, the voters that we both know tend to be rallied by this issue, that it's a slippery slope and that, sure, the candidate's saying that they want 20 weeks today, but it's it's all of a piece of banning abortion everywhere. Certainly, I mean, they tried that against Mitt Romney, who I don't think went out of his way to, to say that he wanted uh, to ban abortion. The Republican platform did and everything. Based on a couple of pieces of information, Democrats were able to say that. So can't they say the same thing if candidates are only favoring a couple of smaller smaller measures on the way to creating a pro-life society? Well, I, anyone can all uh, anyone can use the slippery slope argument, and you either get away with it or you don't get away with it. I mean, all, what you can say is think what you want, but when you have an issue that has you know sixty, seventy, eighty percent approval across so many demographics in so many states, you either think it's a good idea or a bad idea. You you can you can take almost any premise to it's not to an extreme that you would like to take it. But what we're talking about right now is one actual proposal. And so you, and I think it's a very dangerous thing, and I try not to do it, to, to pretend like I know the intentions of other people. Now, are, if you're asking me, would I like to protect every child from conception? I would say yes. That, of course, is what I want to do. But you know what? The country really does not agree with that right now. <laughs> they don't. What they do agree on is this. And, um, and, obstacles to implementing the will of the people in and making that will known in the law are wrongheaded. So being an obstacle on this one is wrong. You want to talk about being an obstacle to, to one that might ha- that that is mythical that we haven't actually had the debate yet? Well that that let's wait till that day and have that that conversation then because the reality is that what is real now is one thing, and that's where you're being asked to take a stand on. So do it or don't do it. Well, th- thank you for talking about this. I always enjoy talking to you, so thanks a lot, David. Of course. Thanks for giving me some time. Same to you. Bye-bye. And that's it for WacoCast this week. Thank you to our producer, Alexis Dial, to Slate's senior producer, Mike Wolo, and to the executive producer of Slate's podcast, Andy Bowers. I'm Dave Weigel, and I'll see you next week.